It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. Alabama's Christian Talk Radio. With Greg Davis. Priority Talk. Welcome to the second hour of our Friday night show from 6 to 7. This is Priority Talk. I'm your host, Nate Williams. And normally when you have this conversation at this time on Fridays, it's Cleet Hux and Greg Davis. I'll be uh, sitting in for Greg Davis tonight, and it'll be me and uh, Cleet Hux, and we're going through our series, Worldviews, World Religions, and Cults, and we will be finishing up a conversation on a Christian counterfeit uh, cult, uh, religion, what would you call uh, Jehovah's Witnesses? Most people would call them cults, a Christian cult, or branch of Christianity that claims to be Christian but yet departs from Christianity's essentials. Absolutely. So it departs from orthodoxy, correct doctrine, correct theology. So, Cleet, as we're finishing up our conversation on Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, I guess, uh, where do we go from here? <laughs> well, open-ended. Yeah, it is open-ended. By the way, uh, Greg, you look different today and a lot younger. Oh, <laughs> look, it's new hair product, right. you know, that's, there you go. yeah, something like that. <laughs> But uh, when we talk about Jehovah Witnesses, of course, of course, you know, we want to be careful to speak the truth in love. And a lot of times people listening who may be of a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon or whatever it may be as far as a Christian counterfeit is concerned, has the mindset, oh, why are they attacking our church? We don't attack mm. theirs. Yeah. That needs to be corrected because Christian counterfeits for the last 200 years, including Mormonism and Jehovah Witnesses, have attacked Orthodox biblical Christianity. And as good stewards of the word, dividing the word rightly, we're defending the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. And we're giving reason for the hope that is in us, as yes. Peter says. So that's... We need to lay that and make sure. But Jehovah Witnesses uh, came about, uh, as did some other groups, mm. in what was known as the prophetic period in America. Okay. Um, and that's been in the last couple of hundred years or so. And it was a sense of urgency that kind of uh, characterized that time period sense of urgency about the end of the world coming wars and rumors of wars. oh man know? i bet you know so you know what are we going to do and so those who were um you know had had a sense of urgency about their mentality started trying to figure it out from scripture and unfortunately got into date setting oh. you know that type of thing so um as a matter of fact uh, the founder of the watchtower charles taz russell uh, he was really influenced by a Seventh-day Adventist, 
but of course it wasn't seven day Adventist right from the get go. Uh, he was an okay. Adventist preacher, Nelson Barber, who um, I- influenced Russell. And then Russell took that a lot further by getting into the study of Egyptian pyramidology. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, from which uh, he calculated end-time speculation. So <laughs> it's oh, been going on for quite a while. Yeah, so you mean to tell me, uh, you know, this is me being, I guess, a, a little sarcastic. And, and, and Greg and y'all do such a good job. We're not looking to uh, belittle or demean, uh, demean those who believe differently than we do, but mm-hmm. we also hold that the, the truth matters. So you're telling me that setting dates and saying Jesus is going to come back for sure on this day, two years from now, you're saying that's not the best thing to do, right? That is not the best thing to do. Scripture mm. warns about that. No man knows the date or time. The Lord, day of the Lord will be as a thief in the night. Uh, so, but, but, Clee, what if I also incorporate Egyptian, you know, mm-hmm. what would you call it, pyramidology? Pyramidology. Oh, that, that makes it okay, right? No, it does not. Oh, man, okay. <laughs> Talk about speculation. When you get into the realm of the forbidden and the unknown and the occult, yeah. Uh, you, um, I mean, the, the authors of that is not the almighty creator. Absolutely. And so Charles Taz Russell was off on the wrong foot from the get-go, but that didn't stop his followers. Uh, as far as date setting is concerned, again, uh, that whole time period, and Jehovah Witnesses are a perfect example of that prophetic period of people having a, a sense of urgency, you know, you know, the of, of angst, the, the world is going to end pretty soon. What do we do? Armageddon, you know. So, and they started setting dates. Mm. Uh, as a matter of fact, 1914 is very pivotal uh, in, in their prophetic history. Now, okay. They are guilty as a false prophet of more than just setting dates. Uh, but it, their whole demeanor, because of their sense of urgency about the future, apocalyptic and Armageddon, that type of thing, sets the whole whole tenor of looking at Jehovah Witnesses as an end times group, you mm-hmm. know, and wanting to do that. So, but 1914 was the date in which the Watchtower said that Armageddon was here okay and um, so that was when the first date that they set for the end of the world okay so we're still here we're still here <laughs> so the, okay let, let me guess what happened right um, they they got the date wrong and then uh, Jehovah's Witnesses or by whatever name they were known at the time they just ceased to exist right they just <laughs> everyone left false prophecy like what happened after that point well, they had to adjust their thinking. Of course. And their dates. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so they moved from 1914 to 1915. Oh, okay. That didn't happen. Armageddon didn't happen then. So okay. they moved it to 1918. Mm. 
didn't happen then. I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> yeah. And in 1925, they predicted it again. Under the second uh, president or leader of the Watchtower, a guy named Joseph Rutherford, mm. who was a Missouri lawyer, and they called him Judge Rutherford. His famous sermon was, Millions Now Living Will Never Die. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so, and he predicted uh, that the that the world was going to end in 1925. Mm. Uh, it was popularized by that particular sermon. Night, as early as 1920, five years earlier, though, he was so confident, the Watchtower was so confident, that the world was coming to an end, that he predicted that the prophets of old, typically, namely Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were going to return to earth in 1925 in the flesh mm. to set up paradise on earth. Okay? Okay. They were so confident of that that they built the... Uh, Old Testament prophets, a house to live Really? In. Yes. Okay. Uh, named Beth Sirim. Hmm. In Hebrew, it means prince, house, houses of, or house of princes. Okay. Well, a lot, most, if you bring that up to uh, JWs today, they'll be shaking their head and say, you're lying. Uh oh. Because the Watchtower, every time they fail in a prophecy. Okay. They always keep that from the rank and file members of the Watchtower. Uh-huh. So uh, most Jehovah Witnesses have never even heard about that. Well, I have a Watchtower library. Okay, so <laughs> <In> bound you, <laughs> fashion. You you know your stuff clearly. So so we can show them that. But the problem is, most Jehovah Witnesses. Their mentality is that they are so straight-jacketed in anything and everything outside of the Watchtower channel cannot be trusted. So I'm not in the channel. Got you. So, uh, so immediately so, I'm telling a lie, you know. Okay. And I guess that's pretty convenient to dismiss you. Sure. You don't have to deal with the claims. Yeah, right. You just say, oh, you're not trusted. And even if I say, okay, show me, uh, and let me show you where that came from. And I show them their own literature. Wow. And they say, well, I'm not going to look at that. You could have you fabricated that. I said, well, but why would I? Yeah. See, and what... What that shows is their unwillingness, their mind control by the organization. They're not trusting in God. They're trusting in an organization. The mind control by the organization over the individual uh, JW is that, you know, they're not going to trust anything outside of the watchtower. I said, well, first of all, you need to make sure, you know, that I'm not running around spreading lies about your organization. Yeah, you don't want that. You know, so you can check this out. Go check it out from your library. Your, your, uh, you know, your elders can show you this. Of course, the elders are not going to show them that. Yeah. So. Uh, I remember talking with a Mormon one time. This was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult when you use the term rank and file. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you've done your research, 
you'll know more about someone's religion mm-hmm. than than they will. And yeah. then it just yeah. it kind of it's a little awkward for them because yeah. Yeah. they're like, what do you do in those situations? Right. right? Exactly. Well, for instance, yeah, you, you mentioned Mormons. There's a term called Jack Mormon. Mm-hmm. And to a committed Mormon, a Jack Mormon is an uncommitted Mormon. Oh, OK. <laughs> so, yeah. And yes, you have. Within it doesn't matter what religion it is. Uh, within just about every religion, you'll have various levels of understanding, very true, and commitment to what their religion sp- officially teaches. Yeah. So, and uh, it's the same way with with Mormons, but Jehovah Witnesses, that it's a it's it's a regimented thing that they have to go through as far as the members are concerned. Everyone is supposed to believe the same way. So, mm. Okay. Friends, if you are just joining us, this is Cleet Hux on air with me. My name is Nate Williams. Greg Davis is out for tonight. And we are continuing the series Worldviews world religions and cults and Cleet is very knowledgeable about Jehovah's Witnesses he has his website archipologetics dot org yeah dot org um, arc apologetics dot org and uh, you can find so many uh, interesting things there you can contact him and it is just a joy to have him on the show don't go anywhere because we're going to continue this conversation on the other side of this break this is wxjc radio priority talk Hey, this is Greg, and ever since the first time I visited Israel in 1999, I've encouraged others to also experience the land of the Bible for themselves. I'm wondering if you've ever dreamed of visiting the Holy Land and walking where Jesus walked. If so, why don't you pray about touring Israel with me in the summer of 2023? We will experience a 10-day pilgrimage that will include visiting biblical sites around the Sea of Galilee and actually taking an inspirational boat ride on the same waters that Jesus walked upon. We will also visit the holy sites in the city of Jerusalem, including Golgotha and the Garden Tomb. You'll also experience the Dead Sea and many significant Old Testament sites. The Bible will come alive to you like never before. Are you interested at all? Email me, greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com, and I'll share with you much more information about this trip of a lifetime. Email me, greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com, for more information on traveling with me to the Holy Land in summer of 2023. This is Glenn Coffey former running back of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and you're listening to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. Welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. We are on uh, this series between Cleet Hux and normally Greg Davis, who'd be in the studio with us uh, talking with Cleet. But instead, for tonight, uh, y'all have me, uh, Nate Williams, and we're continuing the series, Worldviews, World Religions, and Cults. And we will be finishing up our conversation on Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, Cleet's very knowledgeable. It's awesome to have him with us to talk about that. So let, let's keep talking okay. about these prophecies you're talking about. Sure. And again, uh, the Watchtower of the Jehovah Witnesses is, by nature, is an apocalyptic Armageddon 
date-setting group. You know that basically characterizes their whole, whole, whole outlook on life and reality. We talked about the last segment. We talked about uh, them uh, setting 1925 as Armageddon. Well, that didn't. That uh, date didn't pan out. We're still here. Um, and like I like I said before, a lot of Jehovah Witnesses have never heard about this. And, and but. The second leader of the Watchtower, Judge Rutherford, was so confident that 1925 was the date that they built a house for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to return in physical perfection and paradise on earth. Wow. And like I say, the rank and file members have no idea about that. And when that did, when that prophecy failed, the organization, well, actually, Judge Rutherford himself moved into the property mm. when they when abraham isaac and jacob did not return somebody's got to well, do it someone's you know? got to do it it's a, there's a house right there so and after he died the society secretly sold off that piece of real estate Ah, okay. And so it's kept hush as far as Watchtower members are concerned. Okay. Plus two, it gets into their mind control that you know you really don't question the authority of the Watchtower. Mm. And um, when you find a Jehovah Witness that does think independently of the Watchtower, typically that JW is on his his or her way out. Yes, so, that makes sense. Yeah. But um, then they moved. You, you would think that um, they would learn from setting dates. Okay. As a matter of fact, they themselves spoke about date setting. Uh-oh. This is in their Awake magazine, October 1968. Now, remember, this is after about four times that they had predicted Armageddon in the end of the world. Quote, true, there have been those in times past who predicted an end to the world, even announcing a specific date. Yet, nothing happened. The end did not come. They were guilty of false prophesying. Why? What was missing? Missing was the full measure of evidence required in fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Mm. Missing from such people were God's truths and the evidence that he was guiding and using them. From that, you know, you'd think that they have learned their lesson. They did not. Mm. 1975 was on the horizon. Uh oh. Oh boy. <laughs> and then, and then uh, they pointed to 1989. Um, but it, their their false prophecy dating and um, being guilty of all that revolves in. To a, to a degree around their prophecy of the 1914 generation mm. of Jehovah Witnesses. They predicted that the generation of Witnesses, which um, they try to base this on um, Luke's account, and I think it's chapter 21, but they the, it evolves around their idea that the generation of witnesses that were alive, that were born um, in 1914 or alive in 1914 and understood at least some of the implications of life and reality at that time. Well, what was 1914? World War One. Yes, it was. Worldwide calamity, you know, mm -hmm. and problems. 
And so a sense of urgency, Armageddon's coming. Well, they predicted that that generation of witnesses would not pass away before Armageddon. Okay. Okay. Now, let's just fast forward to 2023. Yeah. How many of those folks are still alive? I'm going to guess none. (laughs) None of them are. Yeah. But they keep adjusting the term or definition of that generation. Yeah, I bet so. I bet so. (laughs) To try to buy time. But they realized that if if all of them kicked the bucket, the generation of witnesses in 1914 kicked the bucket before Armageddon, Mm -hmm. the Watchtower would be faced with the biggest false prophecy of its history. Uh-oh. And so they, they, there's a lot of control uh, keeping witnesses from really knowing about the false prophetic past in oh. Watchtower theology. Yeah. So, but anyway. But uh, there, uh, of course, other doctrines as far as that is concerned, they Typical of any Bible-based cult or Christian counterfeit that denies the essentials, it's a different God. It's a different gospel. If it's a different God, then it's a different view of the deity of Christ mm-hmm. uh, and the doctrine of the Trinity. Yeah. So, you know, and that's uh, it's very important that people really understand the Trinity yeah. Uh, often when when I teach on the nature of God, the deity of Christ, and the doctrine of the Trinity, I will role play uh, yeah. with um, people uh, taking the other side. You know, I role play as a non-Trinitarian, or some people say, no, you're not just a non-Trinitarian, you're an anti-Trinitarian. Mm. <laughs> and a lot of times in, in role play, I have to remind the people that this is role play. This is role playing. <laughs> you know? This is role playing. I, I think, uh, so y'all, what we're going to do next, really, for this next half hour up until the uh, seven o'clock hours, we're now going to change our topic from from Jehovah's Witnesses to Trinitarianism. And and I love that connection there because oftentimes these uh, cults, these different world religions, starts off with just a different view of God. And then then you have other things from there that are different and and unorthodox or unbiblical. But oftentimes that is one of the surest ways you can differentiate between uh, Christianity, you know, biblical, solid Christianity and a cult is their doctrine of God. And so it is very important to have sound Trinitarian doctrine, sound Christology, but but for now, for this next half hour, we'll be talking about Trinitarianism specifically. So, like you said, Clay, you do a little role play. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do you do with uh, with teaching the Trinity? What's the best way of getting that across to to students? Well, of course, the Trinity. Uh, you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible. However, you won't find the word Bible in the Bible. Ah, that's true. (laughs) But no one's going to argue that the Bible isn't biblical. Okay, I was about to say, we can't just throw all that out, right? Just because a certain term's not there. So, but uh, the question is, is the teaching of the Trinity 
found mm. in scriptures. And you've got various different views on what the Trinity really is. Okay. And there's um, a lot of a lot of non-Trinitarian uh, groups lean to their own understanding. They're really not the point of reference for their interpretation of the Scripture on this particular doctrine is not the Scripture. Uh-oh. Uh, unless it's taken out of context. Yes. And so they have a number of proof texts that they supposedly use to try to disprove uh, the deity of Christ and the doctrine of the Trinity. Okay. So. Yeah. So how much time do we have in this segment? Well, yeah, let's we, see. We're going to have to go to break in, okay. a, in about a minute, give or take. So okay. let, let's just let's just get our feet wet a little bit. Okay. And then we're going to dive yeah. in after the break. Sure, so. sure. Well, and this is really important uh, for Christians to understand this because most Christians say, well, what's so tough about the Trinity to understand that? Hmm. Three and one, one and three. I said, yeah, well, define the one for me and then define the three for then me. Define the three. And three, define the three and one and the one and three. Uh, all that, that's, that, that, you know. Yes, you yes. Know, that's, that's most people's response. But, and, uh, of course, uh, people's knowledge, the average Christian's knowledge of, of Christian, of, of church history, uh, they're, they're blank. It's probably not a lot. You know? yeah. And so they don't understand how the early church and early church fathers had to deal with all this stuff. Mm. And the, the Christian creeds that we embrace today came out of the councils defending the one nature that is God and the deity of Christ and his dual nature, fully God, fully man, yes. you see, and the doctrine of the Trinity against heresies that popped up in the early church. Absolutely, y'all. And I was talking with Cleet before the show that you know, I made the joke, there's no new heresy under the sun, but what, what, what the church has struggled with thousands of years ago, these things pop up again. And we see it in uh, the LDS or Mormonism. We see it in Jehovah's Witnesses, just the way people view the Trinity and Jesus. And so it is so important to have your doctrine down. On the other side of this break, we're going to get into that role play a little bit, just uh, what are some of the verses that people misuse when it comes to the Trinity, misuse when it comes to the doctrine of God, and Clee and I have a lot of good stuff to talk about on this topic of the Trinity. This is WXJC Radio, Priority Talk. I'm your host, Nate Williams, with Clee in the studio. We will be right back. Scale your business with a dedicated team of experts. A marketing vendor focuses on profit. A marketing partner focuses on your business. With Dot Edison, there is no more taking, only serving. Feel great about your marketing with Dot Edison. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at dotedison.com. And now, back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My life be like, yeah. 
Hey, welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. We are, let's see, what is it today? It is Friday night, a little past 630. Uh, I'm your host, Nate Williams. Greg Davis is out for tonight, and we have Cleet Hux in the studio. Cleet Hux of ARC Apologetics, ARCapologetics.org. Make sure to check out his website. And we are continuing the series, Worldviews, World Religions, and Colts. If you missed the first half of this segment, so uh, on Friday night, this would be from around 6 to around 6.30, we talked about Jehovah's Witnesses, and we finished up that topic, and now we're talking about the Trinity. What is good biblical doctrine when it comes to the Trinity? So I'm going to hand it off to Clee, who has taught in countless churches uh, many years. He knows his stuff, very knowledgeable. So, uh, Cleet, take it away. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, many times when I uh, teach on the Trinity, of course, it's in connection with the denial of the one God by nature or one nature that is God. Okay. The deity of Christ and his dual nature, his dual nature divine and human, and the doctrine of the Trinity. And um, if it's a Christian group, I'll often role play as a Jehovah Witness or even as a Muslim. They have basically the same view as far as who mm. Jesus is concerned okay. uh, and their uh, attitude toward the Trinity. And so I'll say, you know, I appreciate the opportunity of speaking to so many Trinitarians at one time. It's kind of intimidating for ah, me. And sometimes okay. It could be a small group. It could be a very large group. I said, and you might be wondering how it is that a Jehovah Witness is speaking to you right now. And mm. I said, well, actually, I was out knocking on doors in your pastor's neighborhood, and I knocked on his door. Okay. <laughs> and he said, you know, I've got an idea. He said, how would you like to have the opportunity to come to a group at my church, a special group? and explain what it is that you believe as a Jehovah Witness about God, Jesus, and the Trinity. And I said, I would love to, but this is kind of intimidating because I've never spoken to many, as many Trinitarians as I am right now. But I, I want to make sure, though, do, do y'all believe in the Trinity doctrine and Everybody's still looking at me. I said, let me ask this again. Yes. <laughs> I said, do you believe in the Trinity doctrine? And they'll say, yeah. I said, are you sure? And they'll say, yeah. And then they keep still keep looking. I said, well, why do you believe in that doctrine? And, mm. of course, they'll say, well, because it's biblical. And I said, and various hands would go up because the Bible teaches it, you know, and I believe it because it's in the Bible. The Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it, you know. And I said, okay. I said, can you show me the word Trinity in the Bible? Mm. And I said, let me save you some time. You won't find the word Trinity in your Bible. But I challenge you, if you find the word Trinity in your Bible, I'll eat your Bible. <laughs> it's just not in there. And, and I asked him, I said, why is it not in there? If it was so biblical, this doctrine of the Trinity, you ought to at least find the word Trinity in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it's not biblical. Now, as a Jehovah Witness, I, you know, I believe that there's only one God. 
but I don't believe Jesus is that one God. How many gods do y'all believe in? Mm. And of course, the hands, they'll, people say, I believe in one God. I said, okay, are you sure? Yes. I said, okay, let's see if you do. And so I said, how many gods do you believe in? Do you believe in God the Father? And they said, yes, and I'm holding up my finger, one finger, you know. Do you believe in God the Son? Yes. Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? Yes. How many gods you got? Ah, and, okay, and I said, see what you're doing. One. I said, okay, let's do this again. <laughs> what? How many gods? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And mm. I say one. I said, no, 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 let's redo this. What is one plus one plus one? And in unison, most of the time, I've, I've hooked them and blinded them. They'll say, one plus one plus one is one. <laughs> there we go. I said, wait a minute. This is simple addition. Yeah, and y'all call us brainwashed at Kingdom Hall? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You need to get your back straight on addition and multiple and uh, mathematics. I said, you know that one plus one plus one isn't one? One plus one plus one is three. And for all the talk of you having the belief in one God, you got three gods. Hmm. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then I follow that up. I say, how many of y'all believe that Jesus is God? Hands go up, you know. Of I course. Said, I said, well, how many of y'all believe that Jesus is a man? Same hands go. I said, wait a minute, you can't vote twice. <laughs> I said, you know the Bible says that God is not a man, that mm. he should die. I said, God is not a man. God is spirit. John four twenty four. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in truth and in spirit. I said, for all your talk of Jesus being God, he was just a man. Hmm. Now, let me ask you some other questions that will set the tone for this. So you believe that there's only one God? And they'll say, yes. So you believe the Father's God? Yes. The Son's God? Yes. The Holy Spirit's God? Yes. Okay. I said, but you believe that Jesus is God? Yes. I said, well, answer me this then. If Jesus is God, how could God pray to himself? Ah, okay. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying. How many gods are there? One. And is he praying to himself if he's God? I mean, does he have a split personality? Is he schizophrenic? Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, what, what's going on here? If, G, if there's only one God and Jesus is that one God, then how could God die? Ooh. I mean, God couldn't die if he wanted to. And some sometimes Trinitarians will say, oh, yes, he can. God can do anything that he wants to do. I said, no, he can't. God can't do anything. He can only do that which is consistent with his eternal yeah. divine nature. It'd be totally inconsistent with his eternal divine nature to die or to lay it aside. I said, so God couldn't do God couldn't die if he wanted to. I said, now, if you believe that there's one God, tell me, how could he say, how could Jesus, whom you say is God, how could he say not my will, but your will be done. Now he is paranoid, isn't he? He's hmm. schizophrenic. Yeah. You know, and of course, by that time, 
the Trinitarians in the audience. Some of them are getting mad. <laughs> uh oh, I, I bet so. <laughs> and they start acting the same way that they that they do when a JW comes knocking on their door. Yes. You know, so, and uh, of course, you know, all Christians can be baffled, you know, and not understand what the Bible teaches about these things. And then I raise a last question. I said, now, if you believe that there's only one God and Jesus is that one God, tell me, who is running the universe for three days and three nights while he, your one God, was in the grave? Hmm. And they don't uh, well, the Father. I said, <laughs> I said but, but that's right. That's the other God. So you've got three different gods. Three different gods. Kind of, it sounds like a polytheism at that point a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. Uh, and they, the Watchtower, the Watchtower uh, really gets in trouble here. And we might be jumping ahead a little bit here, but the Watchtower really gets in trouble because they will say that Jesus is not Jehovah. He's the first thing that Jehovah created, mm. okay? So he's a creature. He's Michael the Archangel, all right? So, uh, and it gets into Arianism. We'll get into some church history on that uh, later on. But the they'll say that Jehovah, the big God, <laughs> created Jesus, the little God. Okay. And they've gotten, you know, accusations of polytheism over that. And they'll, they'll, then they change it. They, they say, well, Jesus is a mighty God, but Jehovah is the almighty God. Uh, okay. <laughs> I said, well, how many true gods are there? Mm. You know, it, well, one. Yes. <laughs> well, do you have them over a barrel? You put them in uh, their mind and some conflict there because if they say Jesus is God, he's either a true God or he's a false god. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, so you can kind of uh, do what you're doing with, let's say, a youth group, but you mm -hmm. can do it with them as oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. so, y'all, uh, Clee yeah. is, uh, he, he knows his stuff. And uh, when we're on the other side, Clee, are you going to show some mercy? Are you going to answer some of those <laughs> questions? Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, <laughs> y'all. Uh, this is Cleet Hux. Arc Apologetics. Make sure to check that out online, arcapologetics.org. Uh, remember, Fridays from 6 to 7, Cleet Hux comes onto the show to talk about worldviews, world religions, and cults. Don't go anywhere. On the other side of this break, we will continue this conversation on the Trinity. We will be right back. Greg Davis here, and I want to remind you of Priority Talk's longest-running advertiser, and that's Today's Family Dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Key Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment, 256-739-3337. 
That's Today's Family Dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment, 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry in downtown Coleman. Hey, everybody, this is Pam Tebow, and I just want to give a shout-out to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. This is Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams, in for Greg Davis tonight. And we have Cleet Hux of Arc Apologetics in. We are continuing our series, Worldviews, World Religions, and Cults. And if you missed the first part of this uh, of this series that we have for tonight, the first uh, couple segments from about 6 to 6.30, we talked about Jehovah's Witnesses, and we finished that topic up, and now we are talking about the Trinity. But continuing our conversation with the Trinity, Cleet, uh, tell us more about how people twist things, what maybe some tough questions they'll ask. Uh, keep on going. This is good stuff. Sure. Well... <laughs> In talking to an anti-Trinitarian, non-Trinitarian, whether it's a Jehovah Witness, if you got their ear, it's sometimes hard to get their ear. Mm. Uh, if you might scare them off, or you know, you might get upset with them and close the door in their face. Well, that's not <laughs> putting putting the best evangelical yeah. foot forward. Yeah, that's true. But uh, nevertheless, um, a lot of times, uh, as we shared in role play. I'll um I'll still be role playing. I said, okay, now let me ask you. I, I said I don't believe Jesus is God, but if you were gonna gonna uh, show somebody, I said uh, in the Scripture in the New Testament, uh, a book, let's say, that has more to say about who Jesus is, what New Testament book would it be? Hmm. And most Christians will say the Book of John. Yeah. You know, where Jesus's I am sayings are, you know, that type of thing. And I said, okay, good. Let's, let's, let's use that. I said, now, I don't believe uh, Jesus is God, but I am willing to allow Jesus to speak for himself, to identify himself. Mm, I, said, I see you, what you're doing. Are you willing to do that? <laughs> okay, so, I like it. This is the so, setup. So, and they'll say, yes, okay, all right. Now, you, you, we, we agree on the Gospel of John, right? Right. Mm. I said, okay. Now, you got your Bibles? Uh, yes. And, and I said, okay, which Bible do you have? Some guys say, well, King James Version. Another guy, New King James Version, NSV or whatever. Mm -hmm. NIV. I said, oh, that's that nearly inspired version. And yes. everybody will chuckle. Yeah, that's know? a good one. I like it. <laughs> you know, I said, well, it's not as good as the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures, but nevertheless, it's good <laughs> enough. You know? Yes. So I said, but everybody has their Bible. Okay. Now I'm going to call out some verses. Now I know what you're thinking. That I'm going to be skipping around all over the Bible and, you know, taking things out of context. I said, no, let me ask you a question. How do we interpret Scripture? Mm. And they said, by other Scripture. I said, exactly. I agree with you. I said, you're reading the Bible. Perhaps you're coming across a passage on prayer and you say, I like that, but I'm really not sure about what it means right here. What do you do? 
you go to other passages in the Scripture that speak to the same issue, thereby laying Scripture by Scripture so that Scripture will interpret itself. Mm-hmm. It will become clearer. Yes. Everybody say, okay, okay. I say, but so just to let you know, we're not going to be skipping around all over the Bible. We're going to stay in the Gospel of John, just one book. I said, okay, now who has John chapter 14, verse 28? And the hands go up, and I'll pick one, and and I said, read that, where Jesus says, the Father is greater than I. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And I said, let me ask you a question. Who or what is greater than God? I said, nothing. No one, no, no thing, no created thing is greater than God. So why would Jesus, if he is God, make such a statement like this? Sounds like to me that he's pointing away from himself to his Father who is greater than he is. I said, okay, let's stay in the in the Gospel of John. What about John 17, 3? And so the guy's hand goes up. I said, read that. And where Jesus says that they his disciples, speaking of his disciples, that they may know you, the only true God. Oh, boy. I said, wait a minute. How many true gods are there? One. I said, so is Jesus a true God or a false God? He says there's only one true God. Again, he's pointing away from himself to his Father, who is greater than he, you see. And the only true God. And then I ask, and they'll say, well, what about John 1 1? <laughs> I said, we're going to come back to that. But John 1 18, what does that have to say? And some guy stand up and read and says, no man has seen God at any time. I said, simple question. Did people see Jesus? You are laying the trap. (laughs) I said, well, if no man has seen God at any time, but yet Jesus says no man has seen God at any time, well, who does that say? What does that say about Jesus? That he's not God. Yeah. Well, you know that God is not a man, that he should lie. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in truth and in spirit. I said, okay, and then you also have John chapter 20. Verse 17, where Jesus says this, and I will read it. It says, Jesus says, stop clinging to me. This was after his resurrection. Stop clinging to me. Why? Because I have not yet ascended to my Father and your Father, to your God and my God. There we go. I said, how could he make such statements if he was the only true God? Again, He's pointing away from himself to the real, true God. And that was his father. Oh, yes, Jesus is the Savior, but he's not the Almighty God. He is not Jehovah God. Now, and by the time the egg fry on top of their head is is about to boil. Probably, I bet. (laughs) So, you know, and then I say, okay, now I'm surprised that you Trinitarians haven't brought up John 10.30 where it says, I and my Father are one. That's right, one God. I said, first of all, 
and I, I, before they answer, I said, well, what, is, what does that mean, you know? And um, most Trinitarians say, one God. And I said, well, if that is the case, why did he say in John 17, 21 through 23, that, that they all, my disciples, may be one, <laughs> even as we are one? Are y'all going to be God? <laughs> ah, yeah. You know? And uh, and then they'll say, no. Well, th- what that means is, I said, let me tell you what it means. It means one in unity, one in purpose, but not one in nature. Elsewise, why would Jesus point away from himself the way he has in these passages to his Father, the only true God, who's greater than him and who is his God? Now, um, so those are some of the proof texts that they use, and there there are many others, and we can pick back up on some of those. How much time do we have in this particular session? We have about uh, two and a half minutes, give or take. Yeah, Um, but let me say this, that most of the time when non-Trinitarians use these particular texts, to try to disprove the deity of Christ. The the Christian is caught off guard, of course, and sometimes these particular texts in Scripture, when they talk of Christ, distinguish between his divine nature and his human nature. Mm. And we have to understand that. Jesus was tempted. Well, was he tempted in his divine nature? No. No. Because God can't be tempted, and neither does he tempt any man. But as a human being, he was tempted in all areas as we are, yet he was found to be without sin. That's the reason why he can be our high priest. Yes, absolutely. He, he took the the devil's full bag of tricks. I like to think of it when Jesus is out in the wilderness and the devil tempts him. There's a temptation gauge from 1 to 10 Yes, that the devil has, and he turns it up full blast to 10. Oh, yeah. And Jesus knew the strength of temptation far greater than you and I would ever know it. Because how far does the devil have to turn the gauge upon us? Point zero one. Uh, yeah, just about. <laughs> just about. So... Um, but there are many other uh, texts that we can look at as well and we'll possibly do that. And uh, we will as time goes on. Friends, uh, this is our Friday night series, World Views, World Religions, and Cults with Cleet Hux. Again, for tonight, y'all have me, Nate Williams, standing in for Greg Davis, but it's a wonderful conversation. Cleet asked, playing devil's advocate or role-playing as he did, some very difficult questions, but there are good answers. Mm -hmm. And so as the weeks go by, but particularly next week, as they dive deeper into the Trinity, uh, Will will talk about, uh, you know, just different analogies and why they they don't work. You know, you'll often hear about 
about things like you know comparing the Trinity to an egg or water. Uh, Cleet will talk about why that's unwise to do, why we need to be very careful when saying things like that. And we'll, he'll talk about more scripture, Trinitarian support in the Bible, and you don't want to miss it. This is Cleet Hux of ARC Apologetics. That's ARCapologetics.org. Check him out online. Glad he could join us. Cleet, it's been fun. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. So this is, again, our Friday night series. This is WXJC Radio Priority Talk. Y'all have a wonderful weekend. We will be back on Monday.